Welcome, travelers. I'm Josh. I'm Glenn. And I'm Lee Wanika. This is Tabletop Journeys, where we will be your humble guides along the journey to RPG adventures. We are all D&D role players and storytellers at heart. It's where we started out, and it's where we find ourselves most at home. So here in our main podcast episodes, we discuss the core rules, how to use them as written, and how to homebrew your own content to get the most out of your story. Because detailed settings, heroic characters, vibrant NPCs, and a focus on story over rules is what makes a campaign legendary. Welcome, travelers, to today's episode. This is a very special episode that we are bringing you today. This was live recorded at Dr. James Con, which was just a couple of weeks ago. It was primarily a fundraising event for a fantastic charity, the scholarship fund created in Dr. James' name. We're still doing a GoFundMe to go ahead and help them raise some money to get incorporated and get their scholarship kicked off the road. So we would love it if everybody listening to this episode right now would take a moment, go to www.gofundme.com slash F slash J-A-H-C-A-A-F. If everybody listening gave $10 right now, we would smash it out of the park and we'd be able to give them a bunch of money to go ahead and help get started here. So we would absolutely love it if all of our listeners helped us out here uh, to go ahead and give that charity a bunch of money. Anyway, without any further ado, here is the episode on time travel that we recorded live at Dr. JamesCon. In the words of a fellow traveler, along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water. Welcome, Dr. James Kahn. We are Tabletop Journeys. Thank you very much. Yeah, so we are Tabletop Journeys. We are uh, a gaming podcast. My friend Lee Wanika and I come to you today, longtime friends of Dr. James Hussier, and we are live right now on YouTube. So, Dr. James Kahn, can you say hello to all of Tabletop Journeys listeners? Excellent. We are so excited to go ahead and be here today, not only because uh, James was such a great friend of both of ours, um, but this is actually our first live taping 
of uh, one of the podcast episodes. So we hope that you guys are going to have fun. We're going to have some fun over here. Uh, and we got a couple of things that we want to bring uh, to not only your attention, but also to the attention of uh, the undoubtedly dozens of other people uh, that are listening right now on YouTube. Uh, Sheldon, first of all, thank you very much for putting this event together and for coming together with us today. We're so excited to be here. Sheldon James Brother for all y'all folks on the internet. Uh, but we right now are running a GoFundMe campaign to help fund the scholarship fund that Sheldon has started in James's name. So we are, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I wanted to break in just this moment. Yeah. I wanted to take a brief moment. Everybody here at this event knows James or has learned about James, has spent time with James. Our internet fans, listeners, and anybody who comes across this in the years to come may not. So I want to take a brief moment yeah. to introduce them to, to, to James. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to make sure that they understand that this is not just a gaming convention. This is not just friends getting together and chilling. This is not just simply a charity event. This is something that's very unique, something very unique to James. It's so many people from so many different walks of life so many different disciplines, so many different loves and, and hobbies and interests of James and of each of us coming together because we're honoring a man who has spent his life bringing people together and doing really, really cool things in the most fun and irreverent manner you <laughs> could possibly muster. I, I yeah have to say that. No, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's so fitting that a convention honoring James has such fantastic looking sausages out on the grill. Yes. Yes. It is. It is. It is truly a fact. And, and it, it's a shame that I'm holding off on said sausages <laughs> until after we're done with the podcast. Uh, because I don't want to mess up the equipment. With exactly. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sensitive equipment here. That's right. Yeah. yeah greasy fingers. <laughs> we are here to, to talk and we're about to break into some of these great items that we are going to be do, uh, do, giving to donors who are donating to the GoFundMe uh, that we have set up for this charity during this podcast. That's right. It's very key and very important. We have had some donors since we since this start, began uh, today and late last night. Uh, thank you very much. For thank you so very much for your generosity. Given. Yeah. Uh, but we have some special incentives that are going to be for anyone who donates while we are on air live this afternoon. That's right. So we're going to go through those items, Josh, if you yeah. want to take the first of these items. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll All right. talk about it. Once we give, tell you the items, we're then going to tell you some really cool stuff yeah. about this charity as well, yeah. because it's not good enough to say it's a charity. What's important is what this charity stands for. Absolutely. Right. So... First one here, and I'm going to make sure to zoom in on the camera here. Uh, the BBC Doctor Who figurine collection, uh, the special weapons Dalek number 25. Zooming in on the camera. Right, so this is going to be one of the items that we will give away to anybody that donates to the GoFundMe during the podcast. Probably going to have about an hour and change because we go on for a while when we talk gaming stuff. So this is item number one. I'm going to go with item number two, and honestly, it was a toss-up. Like, there are three items back here that are all very cool, yeah. and I was tossing up between yeah. the two that I wanted to go with, but I'm going to go with this TARDIS die roller, and I have it on good authority that the chameleon circuit has never been touched. Not one <laughs> single die has rolled through the TARDIS. 
Was that not one before we give it away? So this is, is a beautiful. The, the top comes off. The TARDIS is right here. It is ready and primed for die rolling. There's a big universe out there and all of time to be it? saved. This for oh. any listener who's going or or audience member who's going to donate to the GoFundMe during this broadcast. Yep. All right. And last but certainly not least, we are at our core uh, a D&D and tabletop role-playing game-themed podcast. So, we have the large edition Tarask. Huge. Huge. huge sorry. Huge, huge edition Tarask for your table. Unpainted, unvarnished, unprimed. On everything fresh, you can still smell the resin. It's fabulous, fantastic. The detail in this figurine is amazing. So again, a third prize for anybody who is uh, giving to the GoFundMe while we are on the air here. So for another hour here, let me give you the URL first of all for anybody out there listening to get into the GoFundMe. It's going to be GoFundMe.com/f as in Frank slash J A H C A A F. That's for the James A. Hussier College Admissions Assistance Fund. Links will be provided Absolutely. as well. Um, I will say this about that baby Tarask. Yes, it is huge size. We all know the Tarask on the game table is much bigger, but this is a baby Tarask. Maybe you're you don't maybe your fifteenth level you're ready for this one. Yep. Maybe. <laughs> but any good storyteller is going to really make that a hard fight anyway. Yep. All right, what do you say? Are we ready to get into this thing? Uh, talk about the scholarship a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk about the scholarship real quick. So what is so special about the James A. Hussier College Admissions Assistance Fund is that it is not going to be a, a scholarship that is helping uh, folks pay for tuition. It's helping them go ahead and get their path started. You know, we all know that James loved being in school, loved, he was a perpetual student. We all love that about him. It's like Pokemon. How many degrees could he collect, right? So- Gotta get them all. Gotta get them all. But the scholarship is designed to help people get that first step, right? There have been so many fantastic folks donating today. I see uh, all the raffle bids, all the, all the silent auction bids, that's fantastic. The GoFundMe is going to be going to the same thing because we want to go ahead and help this fantastic group pay for uh, the uh, application fees, uh, pay, get help going ahead and filling out those applications, help filling out scholarship forms, help people get their path to an education started. That's what James would want. It is important to note that education is challenging on a whole host of levels. What shouldn't be challenging is a person who has the desire to get that education being able to start that process. Just the ability to get an extra application out the door and in the hands of a college and in the hands of a reviewer who's going to say, yes, we want this student, yep. can change the trajectory of a life. It can make a huge difference. This is helping people make that step, helping people get what it takes to make it less complicated and taking some of the financial difficulty I can only afford to uh, try one school. Yeah. Now you can afford to try two or three or four, yeah. whatever the case may be. That's what this is about. Yeah. Giving people the opportunity to move forward. Yeah. To move forward and have a shot. Yep. Thank you, James, for yeah. giving us the inspiration, giving Sheldon the inspiration to make this a reality. Yeah. Thank you for everybody here 
for helping make this a reality. And thank you yep. to audience members and donors yep. who are also going to be turning around and make this a reality. Yep. yep. And so uh, just we're going to give the link one more time before we get started into the episode proper here. You also, if you check us out on Twitter or check us out on Facebook, the link is there. But for those of us, for those of you listening out there, the link www.gofundme.com slash F as in Frank slash J A H C A A F. All right. So today's episode, I know I say this every single time I get in front of the microphone, but not only am I excited because of today's topic, but I'm also excited because we're doing our first live taping. I, I have been looking forward to this for so stinking long. Not only because we don't get to record very much in person, we do a lot of our recording uh, virtual while you're down in Connecticut and I'm up yeah. in Maine. So not only are we in person being able to record the episode, but we are here live at the convention. Bunch of our friends out here gathered around. So happy to see so many of your faces. We thought that there was really only one topic that we could try to uncover today to go ahead and really make sure that we did James's memory good. You know, James, probably the biggest Doctor Who fan that I know, and I'm sure that there are some Whovians that are listening to us that are going to say, no, 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 that's me. I promise you, it's not. I used not. to think yeah. it was me. Used to think it was me, then I met James. Right. So our topic today, what we're going to talk about, we're going to bring it back to the table and talk about time travel. How does a storyteller navigate time travel at the table? How do you introduce time time travel elements? What are some ways that that can go really well? What are some ways that that can go a little bit sideways? And players, how do you as a player deal with time travel aspects? What should you expect? How do you best kind of navigate those as a player? Absolutely. So uh, with that, we're going to come out of our Scooby-Doo ending. <laughs> I like that. That's, like that? that's classy. Yeah. That works much yeah. better live yeah. than it ever did for a nobody could see my face. Thank you. Yeah, because the editor cuts that out when yeah. you do it. Yeah, so, Every so. time I do I have actually done that like 15 times. Nobody's ever heard that before. All right. And that looked, that, yeah. Nice. So. <laughs> All right. So I am going to start today's episode with... Uh, a big conceit, uh, and, and I'm not sure that I this may not be the crowd to go ahead and admit this in, but it is probably it's probably time for me to to okay. to open up uh, and to to reveal. Uh, I do not think that I have ever actually watched Doctor Who. Now, all of that to go ahead and say, I know, I see, I know, I see, I know. There are bottles flying at me already. I we need the chicken wire up. We need something to protect me. But there's a, I mean, look. Look, our, look, our geekdom, okay, apparently this is a solo show now, so, <laughs> look, I, I, and that is, that is not for any, uh, 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 it's not for any particular reason other than there's just so much stuff, especially now, we, we talk about how we are living in a golden age of television, right, yes. uh, between sci-fi and fantasy TV, Doctor Who has just never made it into the cut. I've seen I've seen uh, clips, I've seen everything like that before, but I've never been someone to go ahead and sit down and watch all of Doctor Who. Now, I, I will say that, you know, where my, I, I was a huge Star Trek fan, huge Star Wars fan, everything like that, and I liked the way that they handled individual time travel aspects. Uh, the big thing that I wanted to go ahead and start with uh, was that for a long time, again, not being so much of a Doctor Who fan, 
time travel in a TV episode was always one of those things that for me, that if it wasn't handled properly, could absolutely spell the end of a series and would absolutely be a sign that the writers were, that it was going off the rails and the writers really didn't have control of the subject matter anymore. And I'm going to go ahead and call out a specific example of where I think that this was absolutely epitomized. And that was the fantastic show Heroes, that Heroes, once that third season came around and all of those time travel aspects started coming around, that show went south quick. Yeah. real quick. Now, I have a little bit more appreciation for the carnival aspect of the third season. Now that we've been getting into like a Wild Beyond the Witchlight and stuff like that, I'm kind of understanding its Feywild connections and that sort of thing. But for the most part, that's where that show fell apart real quick for me. And I wonder if it's that kind of a, that kind of mentality on my part that's like, maybe that's why I never was never fully able to go ahead and get into Doctor Who. So, I grew up with Doctor Who. I honestly... As I learned to walk, I was watching Doctor Who. Um, I was, my mother used to take me to all, like, she would take me to her student union so I could watch Star Trek every, every Saturday night on rerun. And every Friday night, we would go to another friend's house and watch Doctor Who when it was on PBS. So I actually started watching Doctor Who during the Tom Baker years. When they would air them all, yep. and then there's some Tom back. Baker fans out in the audience, yeah, that. yeah, all right, yeah, yep. and then they go back, and then they at least start at the John Pertree years, and every now and then they might go back to Troughton, but generally I've watched like all those. I grew up watching those, and those were my first time travel shows. What I have found very similar to you is that time travel is a very tricky subject. It can be done well, or it can be done poorly. The the challenge with time travel is you have to find your niche, you have to decide your rules, and then you have to stick with them no matter what happens, no matter what director, no matter what producer, no matter what fan person decides they really want to see, no matter what crazy idea comes in your head. Once you have chosen your rules, whatever they may be, you have to stick by them. And that's one of the things I really love about Doctor Who. They've done a great job of picking some rules. Yeah. Fixed points in time. Great concept. You can't visit the same point yeah. in time twice. So if they went back to the Aztecs, as they did in uh, some of the very early uh, first Doctor episodes, they didn't go back to that specific point in time. Right. Even, even uh, David Tennant, when he was Doctor Who, who met the Queen of England several times, met her at different points in her life. Right. He never went back to that same point. Right. These are very key rules that kept that story very tight, very concise. Right. And no matter how crazy you could get, and Doctor Who does get crazy, the basic rules stayed true until they did something like the time war. Well, that's something that we saw in What If also. Everything failed with that, and then it was back on track afterwards. Yeah. And I think that's the key to to a story. Find your rules, pick your rules, stick to your rules, and you'll be fine. Yeah, and like I said, that's something that we saw in What If also. Like when Ultron started jumping through the multiverse, they very carefully picked what periods of time he was going to go ahead and interact with. And he never double dipped, right? He never yeah. like went back. Like he he was on a singular mission. And so I said that's part of it too, is that he was on a singular mission, you know, kind of erasing timelines as he went by. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they were sticking by Doctor Who's rules. Absolutely. There are ways to do time travel wrong. Um, I believe Marvel struggles with that. Mm -hmm. Um, There are various stories involved with X-Force, Cable, X-Men, Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, Days of Future Past. Days Days of Future Past was an amazing two issues 
done by one of the best writing and art teams in the history of comic books, John Byrne, Chris Claremont. And had they left it there, <laughs> yeah. had they left it there, I would stand here and say Marvel has actually done one of the best time travel stories in the history of all genres. <laughs> Days of Future Present. Had they left it there. Right. Unfortunately, they did <laughs> not leave it there. Couldn't help themselves. That's a well that got revisited long after it was dry, long after they dug up some rocks, the whole well is caved in, the girl from the grunge came out of that bad boy, and then they dug some more, and they keep digging, and if you give it about 20 more minutes, we will hear about yet another time they're going back to that well. And because of that, yeah. it has significantly diluted a fantastic and amazing tale. If done right, a time travel story should really give you the opportunity to show your core characters their core beliefs, their core challenges, a possible future or a, 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 a past yep. to remind them of something so they can move forward. Yep. The core character must learn something from the event that from that story forward, you see the growth. Right. Like they never go back to the character they were before the time travel event, but they are a, a evolved character afterwards. Right. When you do that with your character, she's going to be amazing, right? She's learned the lesson. She saw that potential future, made a different choice, made a better choice, or said, I'm willing to suffer that consequence and stuck with that choice. Whatever choice she made, she made it. She has taken her agency, a time travel episode series, arc should allow a character to understand the ramifications of their choices and allow them to take that agency. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And that is sort of the, uh, the other kind of conceit that I wanted to go ahead and talk about here is how do storytellers bring that, how do they bring that sort of time travel aspect to the table? How do they kind of capture that sense of multiple timelines or multiple existences or multiple planes of existence and kind of incorporate that in, in what can really be and what really should be uh, sometimes a limited experience, right? Where you want to make sure that all the players at the table are engaged and you want to make sure that they're aware of what their story is in the current. I will say that one of the best examples of time travel that I experienced uh, was uh, I was playing an Eberron game not that long ago. I, I see one of my co-players here in the audience today. And the second game session, after he'd kind of, after the storyteller had laid out kind of who we were and what our experiences were and everything like that, the second game session, uh, we all went there thinking that we were playing our characters that we normally play, but instead that game session basically was the history of an object that was revealed that we were hunting in the first game, right? So they yeah. like, you need to go find a thing. And the second game was hundreds of years ago in the past where that thing was lost. And what we were playing at the table there, now, what we were playing at the table there was how did the thing get lost? How, what were the events that happened? Who was it that made it out of that battle? Who didn't make it out of that battle and everything like that? And so that's one of those things that as a storyteller that you've got to be very aware of. You're introducing variables to the history of your story, right? That And that I think, honestly, again, if we look at like heroes in particular, I'm going to keep beating that drum because they did it so poorly. Look, that's... That's the thing you've got to understand is that you are introducing variables to things that you may have already set up. So when you bring in time travel is very important in your game. You got to make sure you do it early enough so you're not kind of rewriting precedent or having to go ahead and change things around. But 
other than that too, the best thing that you can do, make it, take an episode, take a, a lesson from Star Trek Next Generation, make it an episode in a bottle. Take that time travel aspect, pull it out of your storyline, do the things with it, and then put the players back. But don't make the players linger there. Don't make the players rewrite too much of the history in the back. Control the aspects of that history that they are rewriting and then put them back. That's the same thing that Star Trek would do every time that they had an episode that was taking place in another time. Which brings me, it's a great segue to one of the number two thing that I consider if I want to introduce time travel into an episode or into a campaign I'm running is the genre. The genre you use will dictate a lot of the things. I talked about you have to decide what your rules are going to be, how it's going to impact your story, all those things. But you also need to decide your genre. If I'm doing your typical Forgotten Realms fantasy thing, time travel I can be a little... I can be uh, a little loose, right? It does, you don't have to have all the scientific rules involved, but it, it's going to definitely be something that you have to understand your genre. You, 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 you're not going to have a lot of technical things. You're not going to have a specific story you did definitely known because history doesn't travel that well by word of mouth and only the uh, super rich or only the people in libraries may know that. So determining how far in the past you're going to go. Did I go back to when these characters were children? Did we go back a couple hundred years? Did we go back three ancient dynasties ago? Right. You know, so deciding how far back you go or how far forward you go right. makes a huge difference. And honestly, the further away from your start point you go, the more room you have to play. Yeah, it's the same reason why Discovery all of a sudden went 800 years in the future is because there was no history. They didn't have to contend with any of the history they that had been laid out. They, they, didn't they have went to, to a totally different field of Far enough ahead yeah. that canon becomes a non-factor. Right. It kind of washed And then they had the, the burn. Right. Which basically said whatever history was, these people don't really know what's going exactly, on. Exactly, right. Because so, it all ended, yeah. Because of yep. that. Yep. That's a brilliant way. It's a great story technique and something that at your table you can take into account. You want to go forward, go very far forward. Right. If you want to go back, go, go very, very far, far back. back. Yep. Um, and you can lay the groundwork for the magic item that's going to be the core magic item in your current game. And they saw it get built. Right. They saw the ancient city when it was together, and maybe that informs them on which path they have to take through the ancient city to yeah. find the MacGuffin. Yeah. You know, th there's ways to do that. Th that's a great way to introduce time travel. Okay. That's with your fantasy setting. If you're doing the sci-fi setting, Star Trek is an ex excellent model. If you're doing a modern setting, a la Heroes, yep. or any kind of supers game, we don't have as many good models. Yeah. We just don't. Okay. So, so do you think what, that that's part of it? Do you think do you think that part of the reason why modern games or modern uh, modern scenarios that deal with time travel are less successful because in a modern game it's harder to kind of get over that suspension of disbelief? Like if I'm if I'm let me kind of pontificate on this a little bit, I guess. So if I'm watching Star Trek, right, I already have to believe that wild and wacky things are possible, that that technology that does not exist now is commonplace, that all these things are kind of kind of baked into the sci-fi cake from watching Star Trek versus when I'm watching heroes, when I'm watching people, they're, they're contemporaries. And sure, they have supernatural abilities, but there is a point where the suspension of disbelief gets broken because of how far they stretch it. Absolutely. So okay. one of the the most successful time travel stories of the modern era in the modern era is Back to the Future, right? We all love Back to the Future. We love the DeLorean. We love the fact that we don't need roads. 
And if there's one thing I see on the internet often enough, it's the problems that came up with that sports book. Because we live in the world where you're making these bets, but is it by making the bet changing the way things are? And it's harder to show these grandiose changes. The first one we did a great job of saying just by giving George that confidence in this one thing, he, it changes the trajectory of his life. In two, it's a lot harder elite to say you placed one bet and now you're the richest guy in town. That's a harder leap. And so I think when you're talking about um, when you're talking about uh, going to that time travel well, that's what you have to keep in mind. I think that's where the modern game kind of breaks down. Yeah. We're too close to it. If you go back to the 1800s, less of an issue. Right. Because you could bet all you want and you could maybe bury yeah. something, but somebody else could have found it by the time you went to do it. Though. Yep. Back to the Future 3 did that. Well, um, you know, and I think that's kind of where the conceit uh, breaks down a little bit. Yep. And, you know, when you go past or forward, okay. like this knowledge is helpful, but is it really that helpful? Yeah. And right. how, do you, how, how does that work out? So, I think that's where the struggle is. So I'm going to go real deep then and throw out an example of a modern setting that did it very, very well. And that's the set. That's the, the show Journeyman, which only lasted one season, which is a crime. And that, that is like the fact that journeyman only lasted one season is like a crime of dollhouse scope proportions yes. first of all okay like yes. that's like that is that's a sin that that only happened the only benefit of journeyman leaving early was the was fact rome. that the lead actor <laughs> was able to land the role in rome absolutely yep fair enough uh but that was a setting that was modern like yep. contemporary not even i'm not gonna say modern i say contemporary right yep. and didn't have an awful lot of pretense other than the fact that he kept jumping through time Right. You are correct. But in a very similar way to Quantum Leap, yep. the established rules were very personal. Very tight. Right? You weren't changing, and Al said it a few times in Quantum Leap, you weren't changing. You couldn't save JFK from getting shot. But you could save one person from doing something a little different and change the way their individual experience went on, whatever. Quantum Leap was tied within the lifespan of Sam Beckett, so less than 40 years, right? You had that very short time period for it, but you couldn't go forward, or forward of that time, right. and you couldn't go beyond that time to for the one episode, right? Uh, in the case of Journeyman, he was leaping around time, but even that was relatively tight in scope. Really, yeah, it was he kind of within his own timeline. Yeah. yeah, it was within his own timeline as well, Yeah, and he was fixing personal stories. Right. He was fixing personal issues. He wasn't dealing with grandiose events, changed the world. He was changing people's lives. Yep. And that was a different kind of storytelling. Yep. That's not your typical superhero game. Yeah. Um, and while as good as that is, that's not what you bring to the table for a party. Yeah. If I'm playing a dual game or a DM solo player or a... A uh, 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 two drone adventure. Yep. Journeyman works. Right. You could make a journeyman TTRPG. Yeah. Duo. You oh, wow. struggle making that. A, a like party. A, a party of six. A exactly. Of six. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's same. almost like a, it's almost like a journal game. Honestly, yeah. it's like a, it's like a it's like a one off. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with Quantum Leap. Those work yep. really well for yep. those specific types of things yep. because you can do more modern the tighter you are. Yeah. And, and if you notice. When we talk about the ones that do the greatest scope, they're the ones that get wider. Yeah. They're the ones that involve the party. Yep. When you're talking about the others. Heck, even when we talk about Days of Future Present, at its core, 
that was one character. Yeah. Only one character, Kitty Pride, went forward in time in the comic book. Nice. Okay. All right. Nobody else did. She did. Yep. And That's... she physically didn't do it as her mind went forward in time away. Yeah. And so they kept they were and that was again within her lifespan. Yeah. And it was her experience and what she grew out of it. And after that was when we got Kitty Pride becoming Shadowcat and growing as a character. It did all the things that it, that we right. discussed at the beginning of the uh, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I think that the parallelism between Journeyman and, and Quantum Leap is really, really on point. Because again, like you've got a single person who isn't seen transferring time, right? Because that was kind of the whole thing is that he was aware of when he started to go ahead and shift time, but he took great pains to make sure that nobody saw him do that because he didn't know what it looked like to the outside world. Like, because he would just, if I remember correctly, and this he is a while ago, he just disappeared, right? And then would appear in, an, in another spot in time. So he was very picky about where and when like, that happened. He would try to get around a corner yeah, yeah. or get into yep. an isolated Rushing area. out of the newsroom or something like yeah. that. Exactly, yeah. right. And so again, I think that that's kind of, if you think about that, it's actually, there's a lot of commonality between that and, you know, even though Star Trek Enterprise was, or in Next Generation, it was the, you know, the Enterprise of 600 people was disappearing at a time, but it's still kind of the same thing, right? It's like, yeah. like isolated. Uh, they're, they're isolated, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. Even the original episodes, Journey on the Edge of Tomorrow, uh, yeah. I may have messed mess up that title. Please forgive me, my fellow trackers. But uh, when they first go through the, right. the, 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 the door, uh, that, that gateway, and they go back and they meet Elizabeth Taylor, that was three guys. The whole yep. ship didn't go. Yep. Three people went. Kirk Bone Spot. That's yep. it. The rest of them did what they were doing. So, he, know? so here's a question then. So if we're talking about... Again, we're going to kind of harp on Star Trek a little bit here just because they did a lot of it across all their various programs. But when we're looking at Discovery, we mentioned Discovery earlier, when they make their trip into the you know, into the mirror universe, and they're there for a while, basically they're almost Half an entire season. season. Yeah. Uh, Twice. Right. Uh, is the way that they got away with that, that we never actually know what happened in the Prime universe when that was going on? So that they could just make that transition and like, okay, this is just the storyline now. Like, there's no reaction to, and then, boof, the burn happened, and they were 800 years in the future. So, I think we don't find out a lot about what took place afterwards because right. after it was done, they took off. Yeah, but I think it's also important to note that the mirror universe and anything that hops dimensions is slightly different, however tangentially attached to time travel. So at, at a point yeah. you're at a point you're going from time to time, that's here. At a point, you're going universe to universe. You're going here to here, right? So you're 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 going sideways instead of front forwards and backwards. Sure. And what I find very intriguing and and uh, narratively impressive about the mirror universe is we keep seeing the changes every time it's in a new show based on the changes made by the previous show. It's actually more connective than probably other elements of the show. So when we see the mirror universe for the first time in Next Generation, it was altered by the events of the original series. Right. When we see it in DS9, it was altered by uh, the events of Next Gen yep. and, and so on and so forth. And I find that to be very impressive. Like yep. I like that. And it allows them to play and change anything to fit whatever they want to do because whatever took place the series before can be used to change that. Narratively, that fits very strongly. And I think it, that helps you avoid some of those time travel things that go wrong. Yeah. Um, 
which I think is a beautiful segue. Let's talk about some of the things that you really want to avoid. Avoid, yeah. When you're doing yep. uh, time travel. Yep. So we talked about that a little bit at the very opening there, where we were talking about where did things go sideways in various shows that didn't handle time travel properly. And I think one of the big things that you've got to avoid is doing it so late in your game or so late in your process that you've got a, a, a bunch of precedent already established in the game that might need to get overwritten by this time travel event, right? You have to keep in mind that when you're dealing with time travel, again, you're taking, you're taking your players out of the current and either bringing them in the past, either events that they've already dealt with or, or events that have already happened in the world and are shaping what's going on now, or you're putting them in the future, right? So if you're putting them in the past, the one thing that you can't do is that, you know, if the, if the conceit that you're dealing with in your game is that, you know, the grand white dragon keeps bombarding the local villages and you have to go ahead and take it out. What you can't do is have a situation where your players go back 50 years in the past and kill the worm, kill the giant dragon when it's only a worm, right? Yeah. Like because all that that does, unless you want to then go ahead and, and try to play with what are the implications of a world that don't have that, but that is a lot, well, you, it's a lot of overhead and it's a really lot of... You get into the baby Hitler thing, right? Yeah, so exactly. the first thing you really need to avoid is the baby mm. Hitler. If you're going to touch on that and say, okay, we removed the baby Hitler, then there better be something that's worse than baby Hitler. Right. And then your story needs to be, it's time to bring back baby Hitler. Right. And that, because that's less bad than yeah. what it was. Right. And, and, and you need to show that and definitively in some way. And, and, and I think that's very important. So trope one to avoid, don't do things that with the purpose of altering your current story. Right. I would go so far as to say, don't use it to retcon the work you've done for season one, two, and three. Right, exactly. You know, don't do it to retcon the fact that Dan Connor uh, was fired from the show and then came back for a final season. Right. Don't do that. Right. Don't do that because Victoria Principal was in a contract negotiation and quit Palace. <laughs> and her, or she, not her, but, you know, and, yeah, and now she's yeah, back. Yeah. Uh, or whatever. Or Bobby is now in the shower. Like, oh, yeah. do you have an idea? I just had the weirdest drive. Yeah. yeah. You, know, you, you yeah. can't do that. Yeah. If you do that, your game has failed. Right. Your show has failed. No, exactly. People will pick on you incessantly forever. Because here I am talking about two shows that yeah. have done that. One of them is 40 years old, I think, 30 years old. Yeah. The other one is like 25, 30 years old. Not, not just that, but I'll, I'll go take that a step further, that from a game management point of view, uh, it's going to be frustrating to players when 15 or 20 games in, all of a sudden everything's different. Yep. Because... So there's a difference between player frustration and character frustration, yeah. right? Your characters can be frustrated that, man, this used to be a thing, uh, and now that thing is gone, and I, now I as a character, I'm in the character mindset, and I need to go ahead and deal with that. Character frustration is one thing, but player frustration, if they're like, I just actually don't even know what the rules are and what's true anymore. I'm not playing a game because I'm now personally conflicted by what's going on. Well, that that's that's absolutely. where it goes too far. And what it does is when you when you use this trope to take away player agency, it will not work at your table. Yeah, it will never be a good idea for a storyteller right. to take away player agency if the choices a player made for the last year and a half of gaming, sacrificing, missing a baseball game, not going to drinks with a friend, yeah. uh, ticking off his wife because he learned to make <laughs> one last session. If a year and a half yeah. of that is invalidated because we went back and kicked and, and, and threw a stone in a pond and it created a tsunami and wiped out the town that we spent two years saving, 
Right. That's going to suck. No, absolutely. Right. <laughs> that, that's, yep. that's just going to suck. So trope one, don't take away your player yeah. agency. Yep. Don't use it to wreck on the past. Right. The other thing I think you should avoid is going to the future and bringing back cool stuff. Yeah. Bring back knowledge. Yep. That will help them be better characters, do different, make better decisions. Mm, interesting. Don't bring back the laser weapon that takes out the thing, because now you create a causal loop, and causal loops are bad. So I think that that's a thing that might work better if you're going back in the past as opposed to going in the future, right? Because you're right. Like, it's it's always bad. Like, we used to joke about that at Dark Carpathia, right? Never go to the future and come back with the thermonuclear warhead, right? Yeah. Right? That was always kind of, that was a running joke in Dark Carpathia about doing that. But it was a running joke because somebody tried it, right? Yep. It's like it, you know, it's like you never want to have a rule with your name after it, right? Exactly, yep. you know, the, one of those things. So I think that that's one of those things that in the past that might work better going backwards in time. Like, hey, this weapon has been lost. We had we had the campaigns like this in Alanis, where it's like, oh, nope, yeah. these are lost weapons. How do you go ahead and recover them? Interacting with the past in some way is the way to go ahead and figure out that information and get that knowledge. Within the scope of a campaign, a yeah. one-shot to go find out where something was lost. Yep. Or to find out who knows where it's lost. Yep. Or who knows where it's hidden. Now you're back in the present, and now you go find the person who knew or you go find his diary, Yeah, that works. Yep. But again, we're not changing things. Yep. We are learning things. Yep. We're not getting the thing, we're finding out how to get the thing. Yep. And I think if you're doing that, it's cool and it becomes neat. Uh, and, and I think that works well. Any other any other ones you can think of that you really want to avoid? Because those are really the big ones that I'm thinking of. I guess the other big one is don't linger in that time, right? You want to make sure that the players understand what game it is that they're playing, where it is that they're playing, and what it is that they're playing. If you linger in that time frame for too long, again, they start building relationships, and then it's as bad as now you're jumping to the future, right? It's like it is. If you linger, if you want to do it, either make it once and then that's it, right? They're stuck there. They're stuck there, right? Like, hey, you know, modern day game, modern day game. Oops, we're in Dungeons and Dragons, right? Like yep. that's, yep, all of a sudden it's, you know, a thousand years ago, we're in the Middle Ages. This is this is actually our game, right? Yep. And so you can make it kind of a transformative event in the scope of the campaign itself, yep. but you don't want to then have them play for five sessions in the medieval and then boop, all of a sudden now they're back in real world, yep. right? Because again, that's kind of doesn't, Again, from a game management point of view, basically what you're saying is whatever just happened in those first six games doesn't actually matter, right? It's, uh, there are no uh, there are no effects, there are no anything like that. Unless you're going to go ahead and try to tie, unless you're really going to try to tie it in and really build some sort of history, but it is a game management nightmare to try to go ahead and do that. And if you know, it's like when we talked about Jimmy the other day, right? Or when we talked to Jimmy the other day from Splinterverse, right? The best thing that a storyteller can do is put their players in a situation where they're having fun because that makes storytelling so much easier if they're enjoying what's going on, Absolutely. right? And the enjoying doesn't necessarily mean that they have to be winning all the time. You know, winning in air quotes, they can see that on the camera here, but they won't be able to see it recording. Yeah. You know, winning or, or always succeeding or anything like that. Like you can have situations where they have to contend with things that are going on and challenges and maybe don't succeed in the challenge that they're setting themselves out to that's a that can be fun absolutely there's no way there's no reason why that can't be fun but what you want to make sure is that you're not making the game intentionally harder by jerking your players around i guess for lack of a better well i think similarly even going forward in time you can play modern day and they go through a portal and now they're a thousand years in the future stay there 
um, part of it goes back to your session zero. If you yeah. if you sell your game, this is a modern game, and then you trick them by going back in the past and staying there, uh, that's problematic because that's not what you sold your game on. Um, unless that was part of the discussion, like, hey, we're going to be in this time frame for a while, then we're going to move around or whatever. You know, you got it. You got to go with what you what you build the game to be, and I think that's where Heroes broke down first. We were in yep. for a certain kind of show, and it changed it two seasons in a row. Like right. it became a different thing in season two. Yep. It became a third thing in season three, and I'm like, this is not American Horror Story. Right. See, we watched that show with the exact expectation that it's going to change season over season. Right. Not that we knew that till at least season three. Right. But uh, you know, we that's the expectation. That was not our expectation with Heroes. They did not make that transition well. Right. Ultra Carbon is an anthology series. Yep. Right? Uh, or was. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I'm fine with anthologies. Right. I'm fine with with, with, uh, with things like that. Yeah. What I'm not fine with is watching a show for a type of thing. Yep. And then finding out now I'm watching a different type of thing. Yeah. So I'm going to go ahead and throw out an exception to that rule, and it's an exception that we talked about a lot last year. When we were talking about the Questies Award, Questy Awards most recently, we did a tremendous workup on this entire series. First season of The Nevers, okay? Now, here's the thing, is that the last episode, and for anybody that hasn't seen The Nevers out there, be aware that this is going to be a little spoilerific, right? The last episode of The Nevers was fantastic in the way that it established, it kind of jumped way to the future, and then slowly started to filter back to the, uh, the, 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 the date of the, of, the, of the show to go ahead and start building those bridges together. However, I will say, and you and I have talked about this, for the first 15 minutes of that ep- I was convinced that I was watching a different show because it was so out of nowhere and seemed to have zero connection to what was going on. And... and- what held me in is I double checked to make sure it was the same show. Yeah, exactly. And then and then I started watching it again. And then I'm like, okay, but but then I went back and I was looking looking back in my head in my head cannon and uh, thinking about the previous episodes. Every time they showed the the object in the dirt that was being dug out, yeah, I'm like, so there is this element that that was foreshadowing this. I think it was a lot of details, but it was foreshadowed, right? And so I think. That's a very unique case hmm. where there was a little bit, there was enough foreshadowing to let us know there's something otherworldly. Hmm. In the opening scenes, we did see this space thing. Right. So Futuristic thing. And we didn't know if it was space. Thing. We didn't know what it was. It was alien. Yeah, it was passing through some space. sort of portal. Yeah, yeah. Right. So we knew there was something supernatural or alien going on. And because of that, we really had at least some anchor that this was not out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Once we got beyond, okay, these are the characters, this is a segue into this, and like, oh, we're watching the prehistory to the show, then the right. connections were there, and then it made absolute sense yeah. from that point forward. I, I did think, too, the kind of future as prehistory was an interesting angle, too, because yeah. that's the other twist that they did, is that, you know, yeah, we were watching something in the future from where the show was taking place, but it was also an event that happened before what we were watching. Like that was a really bizarre twist. And I'm not sure that I'd ever necessarily seen something like that before where, you know, it wasn't even so much, you know, players go from timeline A to timeline B. It was that players go from timeline A to timeline B, but timeline B is before timeline, is a prequel to timeline A. I'm not sure that I'd ever seen that before. Uh, And, you know, 
I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I'm not sure that it was a particularly elegant way to go ahead and do it. It was unique enough that I'm absolutely fine with it and love and, and thought it was great. I don't think it's something that I would suggest at a game table because of the challenges with that connection. Like, it'd be weird. It'd be challenging to do that. Yeah. Like, that would be very difficult it to do be. in a game table. Yeah. Like, you might narrate through that, like, hey, this is what happened beforehand, or here's the lore you learn. Yep. But you don't play that out. Yeah. Yeah. No, totally. So, have you ever had any experiences at the table, like pl either playing with time forward or back, uh, either in the future or in the past, and find that one is easier to execute or one is uh, one's more difficult than the other? So, I have been at a table as a player where it's been done several times uh, with the past. Yep. Um, and mostly at D&D tables. Yep. And I thought those are exceptionally successful. They utilize all the good things that we talked about and avoided all the bad things we talked about. Yep. So, it worked really well. That's actually how I came up with those ideas because I've seen them done well. Yep. And I enjoyed them as a player. Um, myself as a storyteller, I have never really done that unless it's a one-way trip. Yep. I have said a game, we're going to end up in the future, your characters come from here, or we're going to end up in the distant past, but your characters are here. Um, I have actually run a game that worked like Voyagers, the old 1980s show uh, that I truly enjoyed. And I think that's one of those ones that uh, really comes to mind. Uh, if you're going to go back to various actual historical events, you then have to follow that Doctor Who model. Like, I, I ran that in a Palladium system, and it was a lot of fun. Right. Um, but it was a lot of legwork as a storyteller for what was a short-lived game. Yeah, and I think that's kind of where I'm going with that, is that it just seems like so much overhead to go ahead and build comprehensive time travel into any game. I, I can't think of a single time. Um, sorry, that's not entirely true. I mean, if you think about, like, Again, this is I'm kind of crossing the I'm kind of crossing up time travel and interdimensional travel a little bit. I think about the Patreon AP that we're talking about, right? If you think about episode three with the Book of the Raven out of Candlekeep, right? Yeah. That was very much a situation where players interacted with an object. That object caused them to go ahead and be taken out of the dimension. When they came back, they were exactly in the same space that they that they started because I because I didn't. I guess I'm not totally sure why I did it that way. I guess, uh, I mean, they were interacting with an NPC at the time, right? There was a, 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 one of the guys from Candlekeep was in the room when they opened the book. And so in my mind, I'm like, I don't want to create a situation where that NPC is questioning what has just happened to them, right? Yeah. I want the NPC to be unaware of the fact that they've just gone on this five-hour adventure, right? So I think that works really well. And I don't know if that, I mean, there are some time rules involved in that. But again, it, that satisfies the, 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 the test. Yeah. Limited. Yep. And you're back. Yeah. People learn some things, and there's no lasting impact other than what they learn. Right. And so in that regard, I think it fits the model for good, for good stuff. Um, I, I like the dimensional travel aspect. I'm a yep. big Sliders fan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I think as long as you're moving side to side... All bets are off. Have yeah. fun. Do what you got to do. Yeah. And I think moving side to side and messing up somebody else's timeline yep. is a great way to narratively break all the rules we just spoke about. Yeah. And then be okay. Think about Inception. With it. Yeah. Think about think about the complexity of a show, of a movie like Inception, where you know there are very subtle visual cues that are introduced. So that you, as the watcher, knows what's going on. Like that's the thing. It's like it's not even so much that like 
I think that that's kind of where time travel is getting to me in introducing it into a game. Is that I, I don't care about confusing my characters, right? If the characters are, are don't have any idea what's going on, fine, whatever. But I gotta respect the players a little bit more than that than leaving them so totally in the dark about what is going on, right? I, I want them to at least get a feeling for where for what's going on and what the shape is and everything like that. Maybe not for like more than a game. Like if they're confused for one game, I suppose that that's okay. But I do want them to be able. I do want to give them a handrail at some point so that they can go ahead and well, grab back on and enjoy them. Dropping your players and your characters into an unknown situation, so they're kind of like, where am I? What am I doing? Yeah. For a session makes sense. Yeah. But then you give them the NPC to help them figure it out, or you give them the clues to help them figure it out. Right. You provide the context to help them figure it out. So that then they know. So a three session arc works well. One session they're there, they don't know how, why, what's going on. Yep. Second session they're figuring it out, they get the details. Third session, now they're actively pursuing the way to get back, fix it, or realize that they're staying. Yep. And then that happens. Done. Three story arc, you're either back home and you're done, or you're in the new place forever. Yep. No, Gilligan's yep. Island works not because they were able to come and go. Right. No, exactly right because Gilligan's it basically Island took them out of time and they, were, they yep. stayed there. Yep. Uh, versus Lost, which you know, which had a lot of, especially as that season went on, right? As they started to go ahead and integrate them back into the real world, once that's when stuff started to break Lost down. Lost got less good once they got to come and go. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, cool. So what do you Whew. say? Uh, I first think live? first live. Uh, so this has kind of a, been kind of a incredible experience. It's been awesome being here at the convention and seeing so many, uh, so many old, older friends. I don't want to say old friends because you know yeah. all of us are getting old at the same pace here, right? So you know, uh, although I certainly have uh, more gray in the beard than I did when I met most of these people out I here. I just so. decided to do less beard. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, you yeah. sure you're not still growing like the first beard that you ever grew? Like that's. No, no, this is definitely a new. One. This is, <laughs> it's no shave November. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is since yep. October thirty first. So we do want to remind folks that uh, we will make sure to put the link to the GoFundMe. Uh, uh, we've been tweeting it all day, so it's over on Twitter, but we'll make sure to go ahead and put it in the description on the video that you guys are watching right now. Make sure to go ahead and share it on Facebook also. We've got some tremendous uh, uh, some tremendous giveaways for folks that you are want contributing. want to show the giveaways Let's go ahead and give, give, give the uh, Yeah, why don't we go out the giveaways? I'm going to drop the link in the comments on the chat here because apparently there was some confusion about what it was that I was saying. So hold on one second. Okay. Got a close up of my face here. So I'm going to stall for time by showing some of these great, great donations that are going to happen. We have the steampunk dialogue. Yeah. You must donate. You must donate. <laughs> you must donate. That's right. That's right. See, there's a there is plenty of Doctor Who stuff. Back. I'm looking yeah. at that gigantic Doctor yeah, Who police box in the back. We're looking at a huge yeah. TARDIS at the back. <laughs> at the back. Yep. Um, we have the dice roller, yep. and again, no die has touched the chameleon circuit. Is, it, is the chameleon circuit like a Doctor Who thing? Is that, is that yes, that is? it is. Okay, my Whovian friends will know. I used to be a member of the Whovian uh, fan club. Doctor Who's yeah. just not my fan. It's you know, I like I've got a lot of fandoms. Don't get that. me wrong. Well, I know. Like, yeah. I, that's, I, look, they already fighting to throw bottles at me. Like, I, I've already I'm, eaten my. I'm sitting I've, next yeah. to him, and he is. <laughs> this is this is a reverend, uh, a yeah. revenant right next to me. And then, of course, our baby Tarask, which you can see. <laughs> He's very cute and cuddly, except for the spiky, and positively vicious, your fifteenth yeah. level yeah. character beds. Yep. Yeah. 
But um, at this point, uh, we're coming down to the end. Josh has put in the links. Yep, link is right there in the video. So anybody watching can go ahead and click it there. Uh, Certainly, it's on Twitter. It's on Facebook. You know, uh, so we can go and get to it there also. But please go to the GoFundMe. Let's help give the James Hussier College Assistance Fund a boatload of money. Like we've already had some fantastic donations, some great friends. Uh, uh, yeah, Patreon subscriber Marty, we love you. Thank you very much. Um, old friend Erica, if you're watching, thank you very much for donating. Uh, Claire and Adam, we love you guys. Wish you were here so much. Uh, but thank you very much for donating and help us helping us uh, with this really worthy cause. To our entire LARP community that's really come together to help put this thing together, keep this thing rolling. Uh, all of our gaming friends, all of the friends of James from from his high school days. Thank you very much. By the way, the earlier panels for sharing those stories oh, of James growing up and all those times well before I had the opportunity to know him. Amazing and uh, definitively to James's mo- James and Sheldon's mother. Um, Man, you raised two amazing children, and uh, my life is better yep. for the work you did as a as a mom. Yeah. Uh, thank you so very much. Yeah. Everyone out there, I think we're about to call this to I think, uh, a, a close. Absolutely. But I, I, I just think it's time we say this is Tabletop, Tabletop Journeys. Journeys. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. You can join us at www.ttjourneys.com, where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. And make sure you join our growing online community. You can follow us on Twitter at TT Journeys and join us on Facebook just by searching Tabletop Journeys there. You can also reach us by email at podcast at ttjourneys.com. And if you want to catch early access to our episodes and some of the other benefits we have coming down the pipeline, you can also support our production at patreon.com slash ttjourneys. If you're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, Audible, or any other podcast platform, we would really appreciate if you would like and subscribe to the podcast. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays and every Wednesdays. We'll feature our SideQuest series where we talk about pretty much anything tabletop oriented. Thank you all so much for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler on our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.